Hello. How's everybody out there doing? Welcome to In the Know with Exonify, your 25-minute dive into the biggest topics in workplace learning and performance. We know there's a lot of noise and a lot of hype out there in the marketplace, and In the Know is a straight-to-the-point conversation that provides the information you need to get started applying proven learning and performance practices within your organization. I'm JD. I'm the Chief Learning Architect at Exonify, and today's episode is all about technology. After all, is there anything more buzzy in L&D than learning technology? So to help us break through the noise and make smarter decisions when it comes to our technology ecosystems, we're joined by the most knowledgeable person in learning tech. That's right. Christopher Lind, CLO of ChenMed and host of Learning Tech Talks, is here with us today. But before we welcome Christopher to the show, let's take a look at our feature story. I recently made my return to in-person professional events at the training conference here in Orlando, where I presented on the topic of building an agile learning tech ecosystem. And I began my session with a very important question. Which Disney technology would you rather have in real life? Would you rather have Baymax, your personal healthcare companion, Doug's translation collar from Up, or the portal doors from Monsters, Inc. that can take you anywhere you want to go without a checked luggage fee? Now, most people went straight to the doors, which I think shows way too little respect for Baymax. And I know you want to do it right now. We can, we can bump it. La, la, la. You've, seen, you've seen Big Hero 6, right? But this also raises what I think is a bigger issue when it comes to technology. And that's the balance between benefits and problems when it comes to selecting technology. Because just because a technology can do really cool things doesn't mean it's the right solution or even that we're looking at the right problems within our organization. Now, technology is just one piece of the puzzle when it comes to crafting a right fit learning and support experience. But now more than ever, right fit technology is a critical part of an effective learning strategy. And that's because technology is the face of L&D. Even before 2020, more than half of formal training was already experienced digitally. And that's only going up as hybrid and remote work become facts of professional life. And across the board, every digital learning format that we commonly talk about has seen 30% or more growth since the onset of the pandemic. And many employees are just now discovering that their companies even have digital learning tools and content available to help them improve their knowledge and skills. But despite this surge in digital activity, we have to ask ourselves an important question. Have we really reimagined the role of technology within workplace learning? Or did a lot of training just move to the internet without any real long-term consideration for how modern technology should inform our learning strategies moving forward. And as technology continues to evolve and we start to figure out concepts like VR, personalization, AI-enabled learning, it's critical that L&D has a solid, informed perspective on the role of technology in our work every day. And we have to continuously ask ourselves why. Why should we be applying technology in the first place to support learning and development? And there are a few obvious reasons that have really dominated the digital learning conversation since the onset of the learning management system in the late 1990s and early 2000s. And the first is speed. Technology helps us reach people with information and training faster than we can if we have to shove people into a room to deliver a course. Then there's scale. 87 million people around the world have accessed educational content through Coursera. And that kind of scale delivery simply isn't possible with analog means. Next, consistency. 
Digital content ensures everyone gets the same message. Now, how they interpret and what they do with that message, that's that's a different that's a different story. But considerations like speed, scale, consistency, they've driven a lot of the digital learning conversation for the past 20 years. And despite this value, we still only see about 20% of employees regularly walking through the digital door to leverage online resources. And this is because everyday technology, the apps we use on our smartphones to live our lives, they've severely outpaced the tools many companies use to support learning at work. And as a result, these organizations just don't reach the bar when it comes to the employees' expectations for digital experiences. So to increase engagement and recognize more value from our learning tech, we have to think more broadly about what technology can do today. And that starts with context. RightFit technology is a critical part of making learning an embedded part of the job, no matter whether the job is done at a desk, in the aisle of a retail store, or in the kitchen of a fast food restaurant. RightFit technology fosters connection. It helps remote workers overcome physical distance to share knowledge and make sure frontline employees always have the latest update from the HQ. Technology and data combine to personalize learning at scale. After all, people only have so much time in their day to browse through hundreds or thousands of online courses. Technology connects people with the right content and experiences when they matter most. And finally, and most importantly, the right technology fosters equity in the workplace. Rather than provide everyone with a one-size-fits-all experience that actually doesn't fit anyone, technology can help us provide the right experience for every employee as they continue to grow their professional skills and expand their interest, no matter how big our audience may be or how limited our L&D resources. And that common excuse of, well, that group has high turnover, that's just no longer a viable excuse for not providing everyone with the opportunity to do their best work through right fit training and support. So speed, scale, and consistency, they're all still super important, but a modern learning technology strategy should check all seven of the boxes we just talked about to make sure we're fostering right fit learning and support experiences. And this is what it's gonna take to boost and sustain engagement. So people have a chance to leverage their opportunities to learn and organizations maximize the value of their technology and their content investments. And that is our feature story. Today's feature story was brought to you by the Exonify Content Marketplace. A learning platform is only as good as the content you put in it. Exonify provides customers with access to the largest library of frontline-focused digital content anywhere. The marketplace has over 600 specialized content topics for grocers, retailers, contact centers, financial services, leadership, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and much, much more. All proven to boost knowledge by 20% and all available on day one with Exonify. To learn more about the Exonify content marketplace, head over to exonify.com slash content. And now it is time to welcome our in the know guest, Christopher Lind. Christopher is a globally recognized digital first leader in learning with a career at the intersection of people, business, and technology. It's a three-way street Christopher's living and working on. He's the chief learning officer at ChenMed, founder of Learning Sharks, and host of the popular live stream series, Learning Tech Talks, and a devoted husband and father of six, all of whom are under the age of 11 years old. That means this is a person with lots of knowledge and zero spare time. Christopher Lynn, you're in the know with Exonify. Hey, thanks. And, and you forgot in big bags under his eyes. That's the other one. That's the other one you left out. I didn't want to judge, Christopher. That is not for me to say. <laughs> let's, it's fine. It's fine. let's go beyond the family and back to technology. I have five questions to okay. ask that are hopefully 
We're going to demystify the whole learning technology landscape. The whole in, thing. 15 minutes. Let's solve next, it. We've been we solving like, it for years, but let's do it in 15. We can, we, I'll give us like 17. We've got 17 minutes to do this. So we're going to start off with what I imagine to be the most popular question you get asked. Which LMS should I get? Or, or maybe, maybe that's not the right. Instead of asking that question, can you tell me why that's absolutely the wrong question to ask when it comes to making good decisions about learning tech? You know, I understand where the question comes from. I mean, it comes from a place of we have legitimate frustrations with the learning management systems that we have. So I get it. It comes from a place of truth. And, and I understand why that's often the question. I think why it's the wrong question to be asking is a lot of times we misunderstand what the LMS's purpose is, and we kind of don't understand what really is possible with tech. So we're kind of looking for something that will do everything. And we think that the LMS is that that single solution that will do it. And I think that's why it can be the wrong question, because you're looking, it's like chasing the wind. You're trying to find something that doesn't exist. So when people come to you and say, which LMS, you, you know, you, you talk to all of the vendors, you've had hundreds of conversations with people in learning technology. So people, like you said, might naturally gravitate your direction and say, which one's the best one? Or which one do you think is best for me? I work in this industry. What's your common response to that question? Usually it's a combination of two questions. The first one is just a simple, why do you think you need a different LMS? Because a lot of times that unpacks this, okay, what's really going on? You know, instead of just taking the surface of, oh, okay, here's a list of the top five that you might want to consider. Like, why do you think you need another LMS? And then what are you really wanting to accomplish with that, you know, what are the pain points that you have now? And I think getting into that opens the conversation. Now, granted, it's not like you answer that question and then you go, oh, okay, well now we can solve for that. But that's usually the jumping off point that gets you to a point where you can actually figure out where should you be going? Awesome. So you're not just a live stream host and not just a learning tech influencer. You're also a CLO responsible for enabling performance in your own organization. So I'm curious, how have these dozens and hundreds of conversations you've had with technologists, with technology providers, influenced the way you're thinking about making decisions when it comes to technology-enabled technology learning within your day-to-day -day work? So I think two things. One, things are never as simple as they present themselves. You know, when you start to dig into all the different solutions and hear all the different problems that people are solving for, I think a lot of times we oversimplify and say, oh, well, I just need to do this. And you go, well, how? And in what situation? And what is the environment you're working in? So I think understanding the complexity that goes into it um, is one. I think the other one is literally you can do anything. I think that's one of the things that all these conversations and just the time I spend researching this stuff has opened is if somebody goes, we just can't, I, I have to, I'm not, I don't have a good poker face. And usually that's where I have to really practice going like, we can't, we can't, or we aren't sure how, because we can, believe me, we can, we just have to figure out how. We can is the official slogan of learning sharks. <laughs> yes, we can. Copyright today. So, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, have you heard about consolidation in the marketplace, Christopher? Have I you have no idea what you're talking about. You read about. an article recently about it. I so no there's clearly a trend right now when it comes to marketplace announcements like Cornerstone acquiring EdCast 
And then even when you look inside of organizations and you talk to CLOs, CHROs, CTOs, CIOs, all of the C's and all of the O's, there's a lot of conversation around simplifying digital experiences. So we want to make sure that digital experience of work and digital experience of learning is easy, accessible to people. But we're also talking about how do we limit our technology investments so we're investing in resources that are delivering clear value. So I'm curious from your perspective, as someone who's reading all of the articles and talking to folks who are consolidating and making these types of moves, yeah. how do you think L&D pros should be thinking about consolidation as they make decisions regarding their learning technology stack? So, you know, just to one of Dave's comments, I think one thing you can take from this is the, the trend is, oh, everything's going to consolidate. And is there going to be consolidation? There is. But are we ever going to get to a point where we're going to get to a single solution? No. And it goes back to my complexity standpoint. I mean, good grief, we're dealing with people and skill development. I mean, there's no way that you can go, this is the one, one to do it all um, type of a thing. And I think that's where, will we, will we see consolidation? Yes. And I think some of that is largely our fault because as an L&D org, we've ran out and chased features and we've added a lot of duplication into the system where on the surface, and we haven't articulated well the differentiation. So when you're looking at it as a CIO or a CFO and you're going, why do we have seven of these things that all have the same slogan in their headline? I mean, on, the, on paper, it's like, that's ridiculous. Get rid of six of them. Just get rid of six of them. And we haven't done a good job setting up. Well, we have, maybe we don't need seven, Maybe we need two or we might need three. And here's the distinct difference in why we need this for this situation and this audience and this environment and this for this and this for that. And I think that's where we're going to see diversity and the ecosystem thing isn't going away. Like this idea that, oh, the ecosystem's going to melt into a solid core. It's not, especially because new tech just keeps coming. But I think there is opportunity to say, how much of this duplication are we actually using and leveraging? And how much did we just do because we went to a conference and went, that's cool. We should buy that. And it's like, well, did, did we even have the operation or business case to do anything with that? Maybe we can sunset it. And one of the things that I think stands out, especially as, as important in this conversation is when we try to articulate the value of our different technology solutions and investments, right? Because if we're, yeah. if we wait to do it, when someone comes asking, so the CFO or CTO shows up and they're actively looking to reduce spend. Bad time. Right. So my question then becomes, because I have a lot of these conversations, especially like you said, in a big complex organization with 400,000 employees who do a wide variety of different types of work in very different contexts, and all, for all of those reasons, learn, you know, and, and evolve their skills differently, have different skill requirements. So for people who aren't in learning and development, and frankly, don't necessarily care about this conversation. Yeah. Like it, we care. We, we do. Care. They don't. They don't at all. They hired us because we do this. Mm -hmm. So how, how should people who do this articulate why I need three applications to best support my audience when, like you said, if the CTO goes to the websites of those three applications, they may see eerily similar messaging and go, well, why do you need three? What, how do you think we can articulate that value? So I think sometimes it goes back to what you brought up originally, which is not waiting to react for that, not waiting for someone to show up with the spreadsheet and go, do you know that you have seven of these? And you go, uh, I was hoping you'd never look and we would just be okay with it type of a thing. 
one of the biggest things you can do to build credibility with those leaders is actually proactively go and say, hey, we're, we're cleaning up our shop and the reality is we have duplication in here. We need to address, like you wanna see a shock CIO's face, you go there and say, I wanna talk to you about consolidation because it's inefficient and we need to take, we need to take something out of the system. Suddenly that conversation changes to, whoa, you're like thinking like a business person. I'm all ears. Now, when you go back and say, you know what though, we, we had this conversation about consolidation. The reality is we actually have some very niche specific needs and it's not met by our current tech stack. That now becomes a, okay, here's someone who's thinking like a business person, not someone who just saw a feature and wants to buy another platform type of a thing. And that takes time. And I think that's the other thing. Sometimes we're waiting till the moment hits to have that conversation instead of saying, well, how do we build the relationship, the rapport, the credibility you know, ahead of time? And there's some easy steps we can do to get there. Do you really need Poll Everywhere, Mentimeter, and you know, one of these other meetings, probably not. You probably There's Slido in there. Slido. Right. Slido, like let's slip another one of these ones in and go, do we really need seven for the, or we, we probably don't. So go have that conversation. And this is why, uh, here comes a subtle plug. Uh, my new book. <laughs> Very subtle. I like that. Yeah. Right, you got to dramatically pause for the podcast audience to think, did I just did it just stop playing? Um, that is currently in revisions. I have an entire chapter about influence in learning and development because it comes down to how do you connect what you're trying to put together? You're trying to put together a dynamic, meaningful, right, modern learning technology ecosystem. But the going to these different stakeholders and saying it's going to help people learn better that doesn't mean anything, right? It means something to you, maybe it means something to the employee, not necessarily all of these different stakeholders. So how do you identify the problems that either they have? So like you said, if you walk through the door and talk about meaningful consolidation and simplification with a CTO, now you're talking about topics they may be particularly interested in. Um, but ultimately, how do you connect business problems to learning and development strategy and investment? So instead of saying, we need a dedicated learning platform for our frontline employees, that may be true, but to do what? Because it's going to help us enable more effective sales. It's gonna help us increase basket size. It's gonna help us reduce safety incidents. It's gonna drive up engagement retention numbers, right? So connecting those dots so people don't have to, that aren't in L&D don't have to sit there and try to understand L&D strategy yeah. and thinking. It's connecting what we do, what we're experts in, to what they care about. And then, like you said, building that trust and credibility so that when you do it proactively as like part of what you do, People look at you and go, oh, oh, I mean, he's the person who knows. Yeah. So I'll, well, I'll again, think about it. I mean, the percent we we think about LD way more diverse than our stakeholders do. So when we say we need a new learning platform for X audience to to learn more, build a culture of learning, they're sitting there going, I don't want a hookah lounge and people sitting lattes consuming. Like that's what they're thinking. They're going, like, really? You just want people off the assembly line so that they can like sit. And, you know, drink a coffee and consume like the latest in their and and that's not what we mean, but that's what they're hearing. And so we have to say that's we have to be more proactive instead of wait till they react. So we already kind of talk, talk, touched this point, which is every learning tech vendor says they do micro learning. Every learning tech vendor says they're powered by AI. Every learning tech vendor has white papers and they've got podcasts and they've got blog posts and they've got studies and they've got articles. So how can an LND or an HR professional? who has a job to do and therefore can't spend all of the time attending every webinar, every online conference. They can't, they watch a lot of learning tech docs, but maybe not all of them. 
So how can someone figure out what's real and what's hype in the space when it's technology, which is fundamentally constantly evolving? It has a kind of fundamental complexity to it. How do you see through the noise? So, oh, I mean, it's hard. The reality is it's hard. And I think this is the challenge is a lot of our industry is struggling with this. Like, do I need to be a SME in this area? Do I not? Like, when do I, how deep in subject matter expertise do I need to get in tech? And, and should I stay out of it? I don't know that I've got a good answer other than find the stuff that resonates with you, but also build your community and don't be afraid to ask for help. Like there are people who geek out on this stuff way more than others and lean on them. Don't, don't be like, well, I'm, I'm in such role and I, I need to pretend that I know everything there is to know. Cause you don't, you don't. And be like, I don't, I don't have time to get deep in this. I don't have time to build the expertise. I need help from, somebody who spends way more time on this. And that doesn't mean you're falling short or you're failing. It just means good grief, keeping up with this. If this is not your comfort zone, I, I mean, there's there's no like subscribe to learning tech talks and you'll be the best little learning tech expert. You won't, because if it's not your sweet spot, you might listen to them and go, I don't, I've had people go, I honestly didn't know most of what you said in that episode. And I'm like, yep, that's probably when you would want to say, I should probably just ask somebody who did. I, and I've said I've said for years, and I think most of what I am able to do, or most of what I know, comes from the fact that it's about connecting to the right channels and the right people who can help filter out a lot yeah. of that noise, right? As opposed to just googling this stuff, because yeah. oh my gosh, Google micro learning and see what happens in terms yeah. of consistent or lack thereof definition, right? Well, so, and I think the other thing is too, it goes back to like the conversation with the CTO. Don't wait till it happens. Like, don't wait until you're in dire straits and have to replace your LMS to familiarize yourself with what's going on in the LMS market. Does that mean you need to sit and bet every single LMS out? No. But if you haven't even looked at what's happening from an industry trend in 10 years, and now you go into a role where the first thing you have to do is get a new LMS, you're going to be hurting and you're going to need more help than if you're at least staying abreast to, okay, I have a general sense of what's going on and I know who to tap when I need to go deep. Yeah. And if you're a decision maker, you're a CHRO, you're someone who can kind of determine how things are prioritized and how your capacity is managed, even though you're probably constantly fighting fires and trying to balance, you know, where do we fit strategy alongside requests and compliance and things like that. But it's generally just a good idea to set at least a little time aside to have these conversations, right? What have you seen? What, what do we think is interesting out there? Let's break apart the word metaverse and see, do we need to care about this right now? Do we need to have a cursory understanding? Do we need to dive in? Kind of where are we and the problems we're trying to solve? And where is that particular conversation trend and whatnot? And kind of connect those dots rather than, like you said, wait until the business decides we're going mobile, right. whatever that would mean. And now you're sitting there wondering, well, we haven't really explored the connection between mobile technology and learning. Now we're playing catch up and now we're potentially more susceptible to noise. And recognize that your organization is going to be different than others. I think sometimes there's, you see both ends where one, you got orgs that are pursuing the trends for the sake of the trends and going, well, Accenture just put out a thing saying the metaverse is what we should all be looking at. So we should be doing metaverse stuff. That's probably not the right end of the spectrum. But on the other side, there's the, you know what, we're, we're old school. Metaverse is never coming here. And 2040 comes and you go, what's a VR headset? And like the rest of the world has passed you by. And I think it's what is that sweet spot? And, and that's, that's an art. 
But last question, this is my where do you start question. So I'm an L&D pro and I'm stuck with legacy technology and people aren't using it. I don't like it, but it's a system of record and it's not going away. So what can I do to get out from under that burden of this kind of legacy mindset, legacy technology in order to provide a more meaningful digital experience? Where do I start that journey? Yeah. So I, I loved this question because I, it goes back to this is usually where people go, we need to replace our LMS. Our system of record is a terrible user experience, da, 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 da. We need to replace our LMS. And it's like, why? Are you sure? Because maybe it just stays your terrible system of record and it's not where people go. Like shift the thinking that, well, that's where people go. So we have to replace it and say, what do we really need it to do? And then maybe a terrible clunky system of record is fine because if you create a different interface and all you're doing is feeding data back to it, it really doesn't matter if it's terrible. Is it meeting the needs? Now, if it fundamentally is not, then that's a different story. If you're going, um, there's these things that we're doing with duct tape, paper clips, and rubber bands because our LMS isn't working. Well, okay, then maybe you need to say, hmm, maybe we should look at what's happening in the LMS market. Or, or if your LMS is from 1997, you might go, oh, we're still on an on-prem, you know, unupdated, unsupported. Okay, that's a different story. But I think that idea of what are you really looking for it to do? And then you can start to make the decision of, well, then what do we need to do to solve for it? Do we need a completely different system of record? Maybe we just need something to augment the capability that we really need because it's holding us back as an organization. Christopher Lynn, thank you so much for being with us today on In The Know. Where can people contact you? They want to learn more about you, join the Learning Sharks community, and watch my next guest appearance on Learning Tech Talks. Well, you you know because you're part of it. You can join the Learning Sharks community. I think the link's on the Learning Sharks website. And I'm on LinkedIn. If people don't know where to find me, LinkedIn is probably the most likely place other than within the community. So I think that's it. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone out there, for joining us on today's show. If you happen to be heading to Orlando next week for the Learning Solutions Conference, join me for my session, Built for Disruption, Architect and Ecosystem That's Ready for Anything on Thursday, April 21st at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And be sure to come back in two weeks as we take a virtual trip to London. We're heading to the Retail Technology Show, and we'll be joined from the UK by Carl Boutte, founder, chief strategist, and executive advisor for Studio RX. Carl's going to clue us in on what retailers are doing to prepare their employees for an ongoing digital disruption in their workplaces. So block your calendars for Wednesday, April 27th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern for a discussion on the human side of digital transformation. Until then, I've been JD. Now you're in the know. And always remember to ask yourself the important questions. Like, why do you park on a driveway and drive on a parkway? I'll see you next time.